since trauma is stored in the body, there are biological things that we can do to help release that um, super fast. That's why that's why it's like it, it's quantum because it's super fast and also because it accesses the like non-linear, non-logical, non-linguistic, non-rational parts of us that our that are actually more accurate descriptions of what our complex biology is. Hey, my beautiful listeners, I am so, so excited to share this episode with you today. It was truly magical for me Um, getting on the call. I knew that I was going to really learn a lot. So you will notice that I will be asking a lot of questions to sort of clarify what Linam means with uh, some of the, the verbs that she uses, just because, you know, she is very, very Um, knowledgeable about this content Um, and while the idea of doing the work that that I do and that many other coaches do it is really really interesting to see how she approaches um, quantum healing quantum empowerment and trauma work and also just empowerment to become the best we can be so I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I do um, Linnea is actually it's really interesting how we met because we both actually work at McKelvey Engineering at Washington University but we had never met at Washington University and mind you I have been there for 10 years and I've been at McKelvey for three years and I believe she's been there for a while as well um, but we met through other channels that really led us to explore um, the commonalities of our work and so Linnea is a business consultant and a leadership coach and she's also a professor at McKelvey Engineering and she helps conscious business leaders avoid burnout, build resilience and rise above toxicity. With her proprietary methods, her clients create more time for themselves and feel more focused and energized and she has a an extremely powerful sort of energy that she brings with her and you'll be able to sense that throughout the call that she's so passionate about what she does and she is so wise when it comes to some of these concepts that are really difficult for many of us to articulate because as we talk about in the podcast there's so much that we aren't able to articulate with human language that the feeling that we know that there is more than the data that we see day to day and she actually talks a bit about that throughout the episode about why AI will never become definable and so digging into some of that content has been so so fascinating for me and I hope that it will be just as fascinating for you and I would love to hear your feedback on this if you would like to leave a review you can go to Apple and leave me a five-star review well, my name is Lene Annette Brumbaugh, and um, my current mortgage-paying job is as a professor at Washington University, which is where we met, and um, and I am also an entrepreneur developing a business called Quantum Empowerment Academy, and my mission is to help bring practices of consciousness into organizations, and so that's where my passion is right now. Ooh, I, every time I hear you say that I get goosebumps because <laughs> it's just something that I'm so passionate about. And then hearing you articulate 
it as um, practices of consciousness. Tell us more about what that means. Oh, yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So practices of consciousness almost always begin with awareness of the breath and conscious breathing. And what's sort of glorious about living right now in 2021 is that almost everybody has some kind of an understanding that conscious breathing is beneficial. Even if it's just, oh, it helps me to relax at the dentist's office. And so that's where I start with practices of consciousness is with the body and the breath. And then there are also practices of consciousness that that come with self-awareness around the emotional realm, becoming aware of our own emotional reactivity, understanding that um, in real, not just understanding, but like living the reality that, that we project onto other people and other people project onto us. That's the sort of basis of emotional intelligence. Um, And then from there, there are all kinds of practices to help people learn to communicate that more clearly. So I I consider those to be practices of consciousness as well. And then practices around mindfulness, practices that help us to become aware of our own thoughts as they are occurring. These are also practices of consciousness. What I love about your work specifically is that I feel that emotional intelligence has been so out there, right? Like we all know emotional intelligence is important, but you're, I feel like bringing to the table is this taking it from theory to practice, right? From this thing that everybody just talks about and it's this intangible thing to maybe more tangible through these practices, right? Oh, yes. Thank you. And and specifically, I love that you said that. I love, love, love that you said that because if we're only thinking about emotional intelligence as, oh, this is a logical thing that makes sense and we're not experiencing it as a somatic being, (laughs) if it's not in our aliveness, if we don't experience it in our actual bodies and then through our bodies in the way that we communicate with each other, then it's not actually yet real, Mm -hmm. just a thought. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's where this new generation and this new movement that's coming, coming in with the quantum healing and the, and the energy is so, so important. Absolutely. I'm glad that you brought up quantum energy practices because this is where my heart is. So the, the, the heart of my business is actually um, in helping people to understand um, in a very deep way their, um, their personality patterns through a a model called the Enneagram Um, and pairing that knowing with specific energy practices. And I'll say what that means in a second, specific energy practices that help to release some of those patterns that are no longer helpful in ways that are super fast, like faster than um, cognitive therapy, even though I, I, I love cognitive therapy, <laughs> I, I go to my therapist. Um, and I, I was actually introduced to these practices with a former therapist who had found them very helpful in her own life. And so, um, so it, it sort of supercharges our ability to um, bring again into our bodies, the realizations of that we might have in our minds. So quantum energy practices are breathings and movings, ways that we breathe and ways that we move that tune into the actual sort of patterns in our bodies and the channels in our bodies 
through which energy moves. Uh, and that sounds a little bit woo, but but let's sort of go with the, the scientific truths that we know about matter and energy. We are compressed energy. That's what we are. And if energy didn't move in specific patterns, we would have no form. And what we know is that when we experience an emotional trauma, for example, there is a constriction in our body. Like at, at some somewhere we store these in our bodies as a, like, we know that this happens, like this happens and in our gut, maybe in, in muscles and our, but like it's stored someplace because the energy of our being in that moment of the fear or the trauma has constricted. Mm-hmm. And, and then most of us don't have instant <laughs> complete release and relief from that emotional trauma, especially when we're kids um, and these happen. And so they just, we just cover them up. It's almost like um, having a, I, I want to make sure that it's not too much of a medical analogy, but it's almost like, like having a cut that gets infected and then you just cover it up and, and you cover it up and you cover it up and the infection's still down there. And it's kind of, but, but you don't notice it so much if it's just a tiny little thing. And then when you get down in there and actually release it, then greater healing happens. You feel better on the surface Um, In my life, when I've done these practices, oh my gosh, um, my ability to stay focused, my ability to stay on task, my ability to um, do long-term project planning, all of that has exponentially increased because I practice these ways of tuning into my body, grounding myself, um, making sure that I'm breathing well, and making sure that I am attending to my own emotional and energetic hygiene. I feel it to me, it's like brushing my teeth. Yep. This, there's emotions going on right now. Engage in the practices that clear it out, know what's happening, do my own healing, go to my people if I need greater support. And then, and then I get better relationships and better productivity. So I heard you say tuning in to my body. Mm-hmm. And is there, can you describe to us, like when you say that, how does, what does that mean? Ah, That's such a great question. So tuning into the body at the very, like, like right now, literally your attention to a sensation that you're noticing in your body right now. I'm just going to invite you to do that just as an example. So is there a sensation that you feel somewhere? Um, kind of pulsing in my fingertips. There you go. You have now tuned into your body. You have an awareness that there's a pulsing in your fingertips. And that sensitive awareness to what's going on in the body is a practice of consciousness because it is telling you information about um, a an experience that you, your, your precious, wonderful somatic body, your living being is experiencing right now. And when we become sensitively attuned to our bodies, that allows us to sort of land in our experiences. And so tuning into the body regularly means that when something hits us, that is not right. That doesn't. That that is that is not going to be effective. Or for whatever reasons, when it hits us, if we have a practice of being attuned to our own, where's this ache? Oh, it feels sick. I'm gonna sneeze. Like all of those things. This is information that the body is telling you that you get to decode. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And especially talking about pain, um, I think that that's another thing that I think is a big relevation to us where it's like, when we think it's pain, it's happening, let's say in our legs, it does originally start in our brain and it is giving us a message. And I was just reading, um, listening to another podcast that talks about emotional pain that also gets stuck in our body. So I don't know if you 
know anything about? Oh, yes, it's huge. Our emotional and psychological survival systems, and these, like I'm literally talking about our survival systems, we develop these when we are tiny, tiny, tiny little helpless humans, and we are totally dependent, we have no, we have no ability to survive in the world on our own, right, so we have to accommodate the, the grown-ups and the big people in our lives, and so we develop these systems that basically say, oh, if my caregiver is doing this, I need to align myself with it because that's how I'm going to survive. And so we learn ways to like not feel things like emotional rejection. Um, we, we, we don't want, we, we can't survive that when we're super little. So we just like massage it and manage it. And then, and, and we just tuck it away. And then later on, as we're older people, if we start to approach that old emotional thing that happened when we were little, the survival systems are like, I'm going to switch analogies now, it's like unpaid credit card debt. It has grown and grown and grown and grown. And now it's seen, it is much larger in our beings than it was when it was first created. And it may have been pretty bad when it was first created. And now it's even worse. It's like the monsters under the bed, like all of the mythological and fairy tale stuff that we have available to children are to help them to cope with these actual mythological realities inside of our bodies and, and in our, in our, in our psychic systems. And so rather than feel that pain, which feels unbearable, the body brain system will go, Oh no, 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 no. Oh, my leg hurts. Right. And so then you tend to the physical injury, the back, often the back, the neck. For me, it's sneezing, allergies. Um, a lot of that, and they're real. The pain is real. The allergies are real. Like all of that is real and not all of it is emotional. But I notice that sometimes I'm sneezing because of actual seasonal allergies. And sometimes what feels like allergies is my own emotional responses to, oh, that gets too close to something that has been uh, painful for you. And you don't know what it is because it's not the conscious thing that's going on in real life right now. Wow. That is so, so powerful. And I think that if just thinking about it that way makes so much sense, right? That um, we all have these traumas, we have these small T's, big T's. And I think that taking it back to the now, to the moment that, you know, so many, and including myself, I'm not, you know, I'm going to be completely transparent, like for years, studied psychology, studied human behavior, all the things, right? And then the last couple of years realized and had this big realization through my therapist and many different you know, ways um, that the somatic, the, the, that our body is talking to us, that they're, you know, the head can't fix all the problems, right? So it was just big, this big realization. And so once you see, you can't unsee. So, and I'm hoping for all my listeners to really know that, you know, it's, it might, it's not complicated necessarily. It's just doing the work. Right. And I think that's the other thing I would love to get your opinion on and your input, but, you know, in our society, I feel like, you know, there's trauma. And if someone is labeled as traumatized or whatever that means for that person, it's almost like it's really difficult to fix that person or, you know, fix or um, heal them, right? Um, when what I'm hearing and what I'm reading about is just, you know, doing these practices that it could, they don't have to be these extravagant things, right? It could be the the day-to-day dropping into your body. And of course, getting professional help, I think is also really important, but I think the awareness, right? The awareness of that your body does signal and talk to you, 
talks to you all the time. I don't know what your opinion is on all that. Oh, oh, I, I, I'm just enjoying listening to you because <laughs> you're speaking truth. Um, that that we we are, again we are so I'm so grateful now to live in a in a time where um, where people have started to understand that the actual nature of trauma and how since these things, since trauma is stored in the body, there are biological things that we can do to help release that um, super fast. That's why, that's why it's like, it's quantum because it's super fast. And also because it accesses the like non-linear, non-logical, non-linguistic, non-rational parts of us that our, that are actually more accurate descriptions of what our complex biology is. And so these are practices that get at um, that the, the truth that all of our beautiful binary abilities to think and to strategize and to figure out problems with our cortex, all of these are encompassed and held in a reality that is nonlinear and, and non-binary and that we actually we get to access because we are part of that and our bodies are are our most direct line into that truth. Yeah. And through, I feel that through the centuries of scientific revolutions and making sure that, you know, we have all the data and all the tangible things so we can measure it, right. That's really messed with our intuitive knowing that it's not linear, that it's not visible, right. Just like we can't see (laughs) Wi-Fi. I I love that analogy. It's like, we can't see Wi-Fi, but we're using it. Right. So it's kind of the same idea of like, there's so many things that are happening um, in our, in the, in our consciousness, in the, um, what's that, what's the word that I recently heard? It was like oceanic, um, and I cannot think of the second part of the word. Um, I think it was like awareness, oceanic awareness, where it's like the consciousness, the, the field of, that we're part of that, you know, we don't, we are connected to, but we might not necessarily see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, I really, I, I'm glad that you came up with that word oceanic, um, because in the work that I do with the Enneagram, which is based in our three intelligence centers, the intelligence of the body, the intelligence of the heart, and the intelligence of the, of the clear mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the mind that's not just AI, <laughs> but the mind that is the quiet, spacious place where creativity and intuition come in um, that, that all of our technology doesn't have. So we're talking about the, the true human mind. Um, when we talk about the true human heart and the intelligence of the heart, um, in the work that I do, that is described as oceanic. The, the truth is that we can tap into this field of, of actual, like the actual truth of the, the loving oceanic, no, the, I, the ocean of, I know we go, we go nonverbal because it's true. Yeah. We're, we're going into a realm where the words are always an even worse approximation than they usually yeah. are. But that field of love that has the quality of infinite depth and infinite width and um, and then the emotions that we have just play on the surface and they're very stormy, but they're no they're they're just not anything close to the depths of, with, of the reality. Yeah, and I was also um, reading somewhere that I'm trying to think I think might have been Joe Dispenza, but um, that the magnetic field of the heart is way, larger right than the the brain Mm -hmm. yes yes it goes it goes way way and it's measurable way beyond the body and 
and there and and we can put this in your in your notes as well there's a there's yeah. a, a podcast um quantum entanglement which is really amazing but but we what we know is that the energy of our emotions and being in whatever um when we pass each other on the sidewalk our fields interact so some of your thoughts become some of my thoughts some mm-hmm. of your emotions wow. become my emotions i cannot tell you i literally cannot tell you how many times in my classroom this semester when I go around the room, I always say, uh, I always have a connection question. So like name a color that makes you think of this or like whatever, I just say something and then everybody gets to share and we all feel a little more connected. Almost every day in one of my classes, there are two people sitting next to each other. And the second one goes, oh my gosh, I was good. That's exactly what I was going to say. And they'll say it like two or three times. And, um, and my interpretation always goes to, oh, I wonder if there is a way in which the actual thought fields, people pick up on that. We really do. And, you know, one example that I like to cite as well is how many times have you thought about a person just before you got a text from them? All the time. All the time. Yeah. It happens so much. And it seems like magic and maybe, you know, and magic is one way of describing it, but there's a logic to it that if a person, especially a person that you love and you're close to, especially if it's like a kid or a parent <laughs> um, or, or a beloved, somebody you're really close to, you are, your field is, is in theirs anyway, all the time. There's that way that you just sense what's going on with them. And if they are thinking about you, which they probably are before they send a text, <laughs> that thought feels gets to you in some kind of an impression impression before the text does that's my interpretation and my understanding of it yeah and I, I I'm glad you brought up entanglement theory too I mean not that I know much about quantum but I do remember that when I was reading up on entanglements um spooky action in the, in the distance. I think that's what Einstein called it or something. And I remember clearly I was actually in one of my jobs at WashU and I had some time and I was researching some stuff and I was like, whoa, I had this like mind blowing awareness of like, oh, this isn't it. Like that to me, like reading about that opened up so much curiosity towards this work, right? Is that, um, we don't know, you know, and even Einstein was creeped out by it because he didn't know. Right. And so just because he didn't know, doesn't mean that it's not, you know, there's, yeah. So I thought, I love that you brought that up. Oh, and I love that you, I love that you brought that up too. That, um, mm-hmm. that actually the word mind blowing, it, it's, it's exactly, it, it's such a perfect word because what, what our mind does really well is to categorize things and put it into boxes. And that's how we survive, red light, green light. Like we have to have this binary way of thinking. And yet when we use these practices of consciousness regularly, our minds do get blown because the categories don't fit reality. And then the brain goes, whoa. And then of course it will automatically create new categories. And then we just invite the practice of having our minds blown (laughs) over and over again. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. Because when our minds are blown, we get to be on that upward spiral of understanding actual reality and living in actual reality. Which is counterintuitive because when I heard about it and when I read many different things about this work, it's, there's so much that we don't know, but it's, it's this like calming feeling of like, oh yeah, like, of course we don't know. We, we don't have the tools to know yet. 
Uh, I mean, might never, right? But it's just this calming feeling of like, yeah, but it's gonna be okay. Like it's gonna be okay <laughs> for me personally. Like, I love that too because yeah. your awareness is that oh, this is how this new truth or this unknowing feels in my body, and that is something that you can know. You can always know your own bodily sensations and experiences. That is knowable, and so grounding ourselves in that is a really good way to inhabit like both of these realities at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so let's kind of play on, on that because what you're saying is because even though I didn't have any data on this and I just had, I had a feeling, I had a knowing that because I felt into my body of like, oh, wait, it feel like in my heart and in my body it feels right that I can, that that's okay. Right. Because we're taught so often to just, you know, and in this world of data and, and, and it's great, right? Like we need it, you know, you work for McKelvey, you know, um, but then like we've, we've gone so far to one of the sides, right. That we don't trust our body and our feeling. And we try to find evidence and evidence in the world to give us, you know, that feeling when really it's already there. I'm so glad you said that. The, the, uh, my understanding, and, and actually it's not just my understanding, it's also a belief that I have, and it's based on some core values that I have, um, is that doing the data is necessary, but not sufficient. Mm-hmm. We must have the data. We must do that. We, that is so helpful for understanding how things work. I'm so grateful. I'm alive today because scientists have done data (laughs) many times over. I'm alive today because of that. And yet, as you said, it isn't enough for us to try to live full lives. If we are trying to match our actual complex lived biological experience with data um, I, the talk that I gave yesterday for the, for the Brown school was called the beautiful, brutal binary, why the problems of AI can't be solved by AI. And the, the point that I came to over and over again is that like AI is binary and the human genome is not. And this is super important for living full, wise, rich human lives. That's so great. That is so great. And can you go a little bit deeper on that of what it means, what binary means and what? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, I'm used to working with computer scientists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All there is is zeros and ones, right? (laughs) So binary means the binary is uh, dividing into two different parts. Like think about like a bicycle, it means two. So binary means dividing into two parts. And, and so the mind, the cortex part of our brain is very good at making those fine distinctions. Oh, there's this and there's that. So you can think of the binary as this and that. And like the first binaries that human beings learn to experience is the difference between me and not me, because itty bitty babies in, you know, in the mama's arms, they don't have a sense of themselves as separate from their environment at all. Right. So they're in this oneness. (laughs) And, and so that time when the babies start to touch your face and they, they're trying, they're like, wait, there's a, it's like, what is me? What is not me is a hugely important step. And it's the first binary that we create. This is me. And this is not me. 
Um, and this is, and then when we freak out because the toy is taken away, it's because it feels like me. <laughs> I have associated this with me. And so it's good. And if you take it away from me, I'm, I am going to go into a freak out because part of me is gone. And so, so this like fundamental truth that we both, that we are non-binary, that at some level that baby and the mama were right. There's like, this one energy field that was going on. There are all these quantum uh-huh. connections between them, right? And it's very rich. They were in the same, like they were shared a body. <laughs> so, so there are tons and tons of ways in which that unified experience um, is real. And then there are also tons and tons of ways in which the, the beings have always been separate. Um, and then we learn to understand that and holding both of those truths at the same time is a really important part of, of consciousness. Like that is the deeper places that we experience when we just, like when, when we start taking conscious breaths because we get this expanded sense of self. We get a sense that our entire bodies are one energy field and we're not just a bunch of separate parts like typing, typing, touching, touching. Is that helpful? Okay. Yes. Okay. So what you're describing is that oceanic boundlessness. That's what it's yes, called. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and then the, I guess, binary, is it also called duality or am yeah. I? Yeah, you can call it, um, yeah, duality. Um, and, and like non-dual experiences are the experiences that we have when we go beyond the binary or beyond that, that place of there's only two categories and we start to experience ourselves as part of the oceanic oneness of love. Got it. Got it. And then, so what you're saying was with the, with AI, it's that it's programmed to say, if that, then this, and it's. Yeah. And it's really good at crunching aggregate data. Like, Oh my gosh, I, I, I love my Gmail priority inbox that says these are the ones you open and these are the ones you don't. Mm -hmm. I do not want to live in a world without AI. And yet AI cannot is incapable of doing consciousness practices. Mm -hmm. And so it can't solve the problems of discrimination, racism, like all of the ways that we say me, not me, and therefore I am good and you are bad. Like, like all of those ways that we other other people, which are wired into our cortex, because that's how we survive. Like this toy is mine. So it's good. That, that rejection is you. So it's like, like all the ways that we do that. If it seems like me, it's good. If it seems like it's not me, it's not good. All of that is part of the binary way that we are wired to go around in the world. And I believe that we are responsible for practicing consciousness in ways that help us to access the, that non-binary place, that larger place regularly. And if we do that, then we're not trying to just program AI better from the same place that the AI was actually created. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a great, um, explanation. Thank you for that. Um, and on that same, you know, topic thinking about, so if we are part of this, um, non-binary, uh, consciousness, then if I am thinking a certain way, then you, you know, I am you, you are me, right? So the way that I treat myself then reflects on you, right? So it's just, um, when we think about behavior and when we treat someone negatively, like how that reflects back on us as well. And what that means about us, right? 
huge. It is huge. And as a as a, a parent who now has a, a daughter in college and one and a son out of college, I will tell you that practicing the the awareness that you just said, especially like especially during teenage years, but hopefully before that, um, is really important because um, as as a I'm just going to go with the child example. As the child becomes more and more independent and more and more their own beings, their childhood wounds that you didn't know you were inflicting come up to be dealt with. And your own childhood wounds that are triggered by that are coming up to be dealt with. And so that is a huge, uh, like a huge entanglement that many parents and children have experienced that is quite destructive emotionally. And so these, these practices of breathing and understanding that I'm the grown up, I'm the grown up. And if I destroyed this child in some emotional way, I am going to reap the consequences of that now and in the future. And am I overly reactive to this actual situation? Almost never. What I'm reacting to is some old wound that this has triggered in me. And so it is not how I treat them is how literally how I'm treating myself. So Listen. good. Yes. So good. Yes. Ch- children <laughs> and other people, they're, they're mirrors, right? At exactly. people we encounter. And if there is some kind of trigger, it's just a mirror towards something that yes. we are holding within ourselves. Yes. We, I had to go through that whole thing with my kid, um, especially when he started being, you know, more self-sufficient and independent, as you were mentioning, and was getting triggered left and right. Right. And knowing what I know, I'm like, wait a second, what is happening here? So, you know, luckily to therapy and all the, all my coaches and, you know, all the help I was able to interrupt and I'm still interrupting many patterns from, from my, my childhood, which really interestingly, once I healed or I'm healing, he's my, he's behaving better, which is, you know, wow. Because they like, it's, they, they are not doing anything to us. Um, they are literally responding to what we are putting out there. And then we clear it up and they don't hold on to it because they're young still. There's no reason for that. They, they don't have it in them to hold on to too much stuff because they're still pretty clear compared to how, like, especially compared to if we don't deal with it, that credit card thing again, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, that is so good. So much goodness here. Um, okay, so for my audience, again, um, if they wanted to do one thing after this, after listening to this podcast, what would you recommend for them? Where, where do they start? How do they get going with this work? If they were going to do one thing, um, there is, well, first of all, any kind of conscious breathing is good. So when you're brushing your teeth, just take three conscious breaths and see, and just see what that, just make that a practice. That would be one small thing. Um, and then there are also, there are some, there's a, a practice that I use and teach as foundational in all of the work that I do, which is, I call it breathing with the spine and it calms down the vagus nerve, down the back of the neck. And if you, I actually have a free video for that. And if you'd like, I, I can give yeah. you that and people can sign up and and have access to it. It's, no, it's a really powerful practice. Really powerful. That, that is perfect. I'm going to put all that in the show notes for them. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you really want to share about everything that you've, you've done and you do? 
Well, um, Lynn, you had mentioned that there might be some core mantras that might be useful. And it's so funny because the ones that I scribbled down, uh, they, 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 you must have quantumly entangled in that because they were literally some of the ones that you mentioned. So one of them is, hmm, I wonder what's going on. And I heard you say that so many times. Um, hmm, I, wonder, I wonder what's really going on here, understanding that we don't understand it. And then another truth that I find really useful is just to know this is not personal. Like when, when the boss or the kid or whatever, when it's coming at you and it feels like it's at your core, it is very, very empowering to say, this is not personal. And then like when it has cleared, explore what that means, because it's, it's true. It's not personal. And then the last one is that the fabric of the universe is love. Yeah. Yeah. So when you brought up that ocean, I was like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, I, I've recently heard that somewhere, so it's not mine or anything like that, but I know it's talking true. about it. That's what it reminded me. It's wonderful. Those are all really, really good. You know, reminding people that it's a journey too. You know, it's, it's kind of cliche to say, but it really is. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily end. Like you don't get to the place, um, the, the nirvana enlightenment, right. Um, it's kind of a daily practice and for people to have grace with themselves can get really hard, right? <laughs> it can. And, and when it gets really hard, that is when the old survival systems are starting to kick in and they want to save you. And the higher parts are calling you to release those so that you can live in a different and expanded reality. And this is why it's so good to have coaching and have somebody who's walked the path and who yeah. can hold the space, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I just was finding out about um, the, the how, you know, the alter egos and the multifaceted beings that we are, that we all have these parts that live within us. I think it's integrational family systems therapy. That it, like, oh. I don't know if you've heard about that. I'm yes. up on it and I'm just amazed at how great this stuff is and everything we've really talked about, you know, these parts of ourselves that we exiled because, you know, we had to, we had to hide it or they had to, they had to protect us from um, different things, right. And our core self, I love how they talk about the core self of, you know, this is how you truly, truly are. And so love exploring that. And this is this, I actually, a a dear friend and colleague of mine who, whose work is in family systems. She and I did some work with the Enneagram and family systems together because it's so, they they are very powerfully interacting systems. Yeah. Okay. So tell my audience where they can find you. Um, W, thank you for asking, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, If you go to uh, www.quantumempowermentacademy.com, that's quantumempowermentacademy.com. And if you scroll down to the very bottom, ignore all the stuff at the top, uh, if you want to have a a little free PDF that has... Um, it's, it's called three invisible power leaks. So these are ways that we train our energy that we usually don't see. So that's a very useful PDF that I, that I love and I'm very proud of. And I'll also give you 
the link to that breathing with your spine so that people can actually like, not just, not just read the PDF, but also practice. Yes. That's going to be so great. Thank you so much. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes for everybody to have. And thank you so much for sharing all your great knowledge. I mean, just enlightening. I've learned so much um, just from the last 45 minutes. So I thank you so much for being up, being here and showing up for me and my audience. And thank you for inviting me. And, uh, and I think it's, awesome that you are cultivating an audience with this kind of uh, awareness and curiosity. I love that. It's my mission. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave me a review. Also, if you are ready to get a coach, if you are ready to take your life to the next level, if you are ready to upgrade your mental loops, reach out to me on any of the social media channels or on my website for your free one-on-one session with me. 